0: Ephesians chapter 13. For this reason, I, Paul, up for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace given to me for you, how the mystery was made known, even as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to this men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit is that the Gentiles and fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of the power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the, to the riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word.
1: Well, it's a, um, I think it's a powerful feeling to know that you're on something that's a secret. How many of you have ever had an experience? Have you ever had access to, to maybe super-sensitive information, classified information? Apps? Think about what that sometimes can do inside of us. It, it can give, I think, a sense, of, a sense of importance, a sense of excitement to us. Knowing something that mosters don't know. Has a certain raw potential to it. This is why the world of advertising and marketing the use of ideas like secrets and mysteries, secret to fat loss, right? Be to feeling better in the morning. The mystery revealed here in this online book for five simple install ninety nine dollars. The Big Mac secret special. Maybe not so great, soft. We see it everywhere. Something of language captures us. And we love to think if we're spiritual people, if we're following Jesus, that there's some secrets to spiritual life as well. That's been the case as well for thousands. That might be a thought that you sometimes have. If I can uncover the mystery I'll finally grow, I'll finally develop, I'll finally get past issue, and and so on, and so on, and so on. Well, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, says there is a mystery. There is mystery in the Christian faith. But that mystery has already been revealed. The word heard Hannah read, you might have heard it four times in just these verses. And in contemporary English, that word mystery usually means something unknown. Right? If you read a mystery novel or watch one of those mystery movies, the question is, and we don't know, but that's not exactly what the word in Paul's day. In Greek, the language in which the Testament was written, uh, the word mystery refers to something known only to the initiated. That the thing itself is unknown. It was known but only to those to whom it had been ruled. Think of um, the mysterious sects or cults where mysteries are revealed. It, it just so happens that in Ephesus, Paul wrote this letter, the greatest pagan temple in the world was located there. You can put it up on the screen. I, I have a picture of it for you. This was known as... And when Paul wrote Ephesians, it was already 600 years old. And it was more than twice the size of the pond, which still exists on one of the hills in Athens. It was regarded as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, where mystery cults work. And so part of what Paul is doing in Ephesians in use again and again and again, this language of mystery is using the sort of cultural Ephesians would have been very familiar with to drive the mystery of Jesus, which is our theme this morning. So let me catch you up to where we've been to this point. Paul, especially in chapter two, writing about the church And he's just finished a lengthy section in which he describes the the horizontal implications of the gospel of Jesus. He said that the barrier of hostility that between the Jewish people and now in Jesus has been broken down. And he said also, new humanity that God is creating, faith in Jesus, also called the church, is full fellowship, Filled with group people who were once hostile, who were once opposed to each other. He had written just at the end of two that the church is being built together into a world for God by his Spirit. And so he begins to three by transitioning. You'll notice here for this reason. For this reason, i Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you. And when he mentions that word Gentiles, Paul, as very often in his letters, gets sidetracked. He goes off on a, call it a tangent, I'm going to call it a detour. We know detour because if you look at chapter 3, verse 14, get point because he says again, for this, so verses 1 through 13 of chapter 3 are a in the letter of Ephesians and and takes a detour to describe to the to you and to me Paul as a minister of the gospel. He mentions that in verse 7, I was made a minister. His role as a revealer of the mystery, the mystery. So this morning I want to work verses by looking at the mystery that Paul describes in three parts, okay? First, I want to show you the presentation of the mystery. Secondly, the preaching Of the mystery. Third, the purpose of the mystery. Presentation, pre purpose. Okay, so let's look at the text. First, we see the presentation of the mystery. Look at how Paul writes about what he calls the. Look at verse 3. The mystery was made me by revelation. And then he gives us a little more verse four. Read this you can perceive insight into the mystery Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the holy spirit and then in verse 6 he finally out plainly look there this mystery is that the gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel now, that verse is a really important summary. Paul here put a mystery. Here it is. The mystery is that Gentiles, you and me, if we're not Jewish and most of us aren't Jewish, are recipients along with the Jewish people of God's people and we are members of God's people, the church. And the way Paul expresses that in verse is so interesting. He uses three words in verse, but what he does is he adds this little prefix, to the original language. He did the same thing, by the way, in verse 19 last week when he said, um, he used them in front of verse when he said, we're fellow citizens, members of the household of God. He began here, and the prefix can be translated as, as wither. And the words he uses are errors, verse 6, verse 6, and partakers. And it's almost really to capture this in English, but, but I like how Phillips put it in his translation. He put it this way. He says that the mission are equal heirs with his chosen people, equal members, and equal partners in God's promise. Paul also writes that this mystery wasn't revealed. Because it wasn't revealed in other generations as it has now been revealed through his apostleship. So, what he means, now stay with me, is prior to the Holy Spirit being poured out on God's people and prior to Christ, the opening truth to the apostles and the prophets that we're writing about here, before that, namely in the Old Testament, there were only small fragmentary hints. About what God was really doing. I mean, we see what God makes to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says to Abraham, I'm a father of a great nation. But then he adds, every nation on earth, all peoples will be blessed through you. That's a little hint that God's purposes in the world, the Jewish people alone, the nation of Israel alone. But that's just that a hint. We see another hint in the book of Jonah. We know Jonah, if we're familiar with the Bible, the guy that got swallowed by the fish. Well, the reason why the fish is because he was going in the exact opposite direction that called him to go in. God called Jonah to go be minister of the gospel to this nation called Nineveh, a huge city in the ancient world. And Nineveh, as you might imagine, well, And so God has Jonah caught up by the fish. The fish spit on the shore of Nineveh and Jonah goes and obeys God finally and preaches the gospel and all these Ninevites and they believe in the God of Israel and the God of Israel's promise and what Jonah felt about that. He was angry. He was mad. He didn't understand it at all. That's the less well part of Jonah. And God ends that book by telling, shouldn't I have mercy on this great, a place that's full of non-Jewish people too?" the hints, you see. But in the Old Testament, it was only it was only hints. God had announced Henshin to save all types of people were understood. That this was to happen only as tiles became Jews, only as they were platized, only as they were circumcised and made a part of God's covenant people. And so Paul's saying the, th- the mystery that was revealed is that that approach is no longer necessary. God has broken down that wall. He's made one people out of two previously divided people, both Jew and Gentile. All people approach God equally. And look at how he says. He says, verse 6, in Christ through the gospel. We see again here what we've been learning in recent weeks. God wants to emphasize for us the gospel levels the playing field. Every single one of us. We all no matter our background, no matter our, our spiritual appetite, no matter our perceived proxy to God, no matter our skin color, our nationality, genetic hardwiring, we are all so sin that Jesus had to shed his precious blood to forgive us. That broken and that guilty. But we're also all so deeply loved by God that Jesus was willing, happily and gladly to die on our behalf, taking our place through his death, bearing our punishment by his wound are healed as Isaiah. We're all equally sinners, all equally helpless. We have all come to one in the Savior. We have the same salvation, the same spirit. We even have the same trials, all marching together to the same home. That creates a tremendous Humility among us, it should. We're no better than anyone else. And it also gratitude. What God has done for us, nothing short of miraculous. This place is an ongoing miracle. We see the presentation of the mystery. Jew and Jew alike, now one big, happy family. The gospel. Second, as you might imagine, this is the part. The preaching of the gospel. Paul lays out the mystery. And then in verses 7, 8, and 9, he gets even more autobiographical, which Paul regularly does. He letters, on the one hand, because they're letters, it's personal, but also because his story, Paul's, and, and his conversion had such a powerful impact. They so found, deformed formed and shaped the rest of his life and his calling. And so he's reminding his readers of what God had called him to do. And in doing so, Paul's also reminding us of the full greatness of the gospel of jesus look at what he says he says god called him to be a minister and then in verse 8 his job as a minister was to push to the gentiles he puts it again verse 9 to bring to light for everyone what is the plan a mystery there's that word again hidden for ages in god and notice what paul repeatedly emphasizes here stick with me he says look all this is from god's grace look at it I was made a minister of the gospel according to the gift of God's grace given me by the effect working of God's power. Verse eight, to me, though I am the very, all the saints, this grace was given. let Hall never lost sight in his life. He never lost sight of what God had done. Listen, here's the reality. Here's the reality. If Paul had been left to himself, he would still been, when he wrote this letter, he wouldn't have written this letter, the persecuting, murderous Pharisee who hid Jesus and all of Jesus' people. Paul had heard about Christ. Paul had heard the preaching of sin. You can read about it in Acts chapter 6. Paul knew what Christ hated it, did it. He recoiled against it. He did all he could to destroy Christianity. So what happened to him? What happened to this man? There's only one answer. He had been made a new man. Born again, a new creation. It was nothing less than that. Only that could have done in Paul what God did in Paul. It was a result, verse 7, of the powerful working of God. Listen, that is true. Every single Christian in this room. Do you know that? Have you forgotten that? It's by the grace of God that we we are, if we're in Christ. God to ourselves. Remember where I am from. How many of you know LeBron James? He's one of those athletes that knows him, even if you could care less about sports. LeBron James, when he receives an award or an accolade or a compliment, very nice saying, I'm just a kid from Akron, Ohio. I'm not supposed to be here. He's remembering came from a a broken home born to a 16 year old wearied mom in the ghetto in the middle of the rust belt but he by god's grace but because god gave him the greatest second greatest of all time and that will never be beautiful it's a different sermon a different day think about what god has done for us guys brothers what god's taken you out of remember where you came from. paul's doing here some of you some of us, we were in horrible sin, full, proud, engaged in all kinds of wickedness in our lives until Jesus came in and wrecked shop in our lives. Some of us sat in church every for years, didn't hear with our hearts at all the message of god's love bounced off of us pebbles off of cold dead stone then jesus came he came into our lives and he up some of us we were pretty good solid people decent religious but we had all sorts of ug failures that we hid away and didn't talk up our struggles and threw away the key Jesus came in and called us into the light and gave us the joy of confession of sin and the experience of forgiveness through his blood. Jesus has rescued us by God's mighty working that he did this. We are who we are. Martin Lloyd, jones 20th century Welsh preacher, puts it this way. He says, it's a day in the life of any Christian when he forgets, when he forgets the whole of the pit. God hugged him out of. Paul hasn't forgotten. He says, I'm a because of the grace of God reminds them of that. But look with me. He also reminds them of the content of his ministry, reminds the Ephesians about the content of the God. Um, think with me. What was Paul's job? If Paul had had a business card or a QR code that you can and see what his business card was, if Paul had, what was it? Why did God put Paul on planet? Why did Jesus meet him and restore him? And why did Jesus commission him to go and do what he commanded him to go and do? He tells us here, verse 8, to preach to the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's it. That's what his life was. That's what his ministry was about. And that's what any church continuing apostolic ministry must be about. To preach the unsearchable riches riches of christ man that for has been with me all week at this church listen if you're here for the first time since the very first meeting at this church we want a lot of things for you but the number thing we want for you is for you to dive into the unsearchable riches of christ that is what we want more and more have you ever searched through the riches of Christ? Have you ever experienced great and how good and how gracious Christ is? Have you ever had a moment of, of just fresh insight into his love for you? Or, or of understanding his great power? Or of knowing his intimate care? That's what all preaching is about. That's what all ministry is about. Every church should be about the searchable riches of Jesus. Do you know what I'm thinking of this week? Aladdin's cave. Oh, remember Aladdin's cave. Remember the old movie, not the new one with the old one with Robin Williams. Um, Canonical version. Um, Aladdin, you know, remember he's by the evil sorcerer. What was that guy's name? Uh, Thank you, Your Audience help from that one. Uh, his, the evil sorcerer Jafar, this cave, it's shaped like a lion's head. The lion opens its mouth. Aladdin, with his carpet, goes into the cave, you know, to summarize a more exciting thing than what I just described. And, and in the cave, there's just in everywhere, riches as far as the eye can see. Would have taken years, right, just to catalog all gold and the diamonds and the emeralds. All of it was a vast, virtually unending Wonders. How can we get bored with Christianity? Apathetic with Jesus. If it is about us being dropped. The cave of wonders. That is Christ. Virtual riches. What are they? Where do we begin? Think about what Jesus has done. Just look at what Ephesians is. Chapter one. He has forgiven us of our sins. Through his blood. Listen. I've said, listen, like 12 times. I'll try to stop saying that. God is going to judge every sin that's ever committed. He must do this. He's just. Someone is going to pay for the destruction and decimation of God's good world. Again, always ends rebellions. And God is agreeing. We are all guilty before him. We've all ignored God. He made us, and he still despise him. We deliberately disobey him. We deserve death, but Jesus took the punishment we deserve. Jesus completely takes away all of our failures through his blood. He's forgiven us. What else has he done? Verse chapter one. He's redeemed us. We have redemption. Every single one of us was in a prison, for our own making, with no escape. Some of you still are. You don't know it, but you are. You're in a prison. Get out of the cycle of hopelessness. You keep trying to build your life and your identity on different things, success or love children. And they all, although they're good in and of themselves, because they can't handle the weight of the fullness of your identity. You feel trapped in your own life, constantly having to cover all of the hurt just to face. Jesus Christ can redeem you out of that. Free you from the sinness. He can give you new purpose. You believe that? Think of what Jesus gives us. The unsearchable riches. Jesus gives us rest. Come to me. Any one of you who are (laughs) weary. Call of you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus gives us peace. Peace I Leave with you, he says, my peace I to the world gives. Do I give to you? Don't let it be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Jesus gives us joy. He tells us in John, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again in your joys and no one will take your joy from you. He's given us an inheritance. Peter, it's an inheritance that is unfading, unspoiled, and imperishable, and it's waiting for you right now in heaven. John 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We want you to enjoy the unsearchable riches of Jesus. That is our great desire for you, that Jesus would capture. And that you would die like you're on Aladdin's carpet ride, deeper, deeper into him, knowing him, loving him, worshiping him. That is my prayer for you. That's our, you, that's our staff's prayer for you that we would be able who on Sundays and throughout every week, together, separately, celebrate the unsearchable writ of Christ. May it be so. May it be so. The uh, purpose of. Paul's talk, presentation of the mystery. He said, this is why God put me on the planet, to talk to you how great Jesus is, how loving Jesus is. And then lastly, quickly, the purpose, verse 10 through 13. Paul tells us this mystery that both Jews and Gentiles, the church through faith has a purpose to it. You see it there in verse 10. You see the first two words, so that, that always indicates purpose. So that, God did all this so that through the church, the of God might now be made known. To the ruler authorities in the heavenly places. So the purpose, revelation of the mystery, is that God's manifold wisdom would be shown off. God saves people and God creates it to show off how wise He is. Show off how powerful he is. God reveals this in and through Jesus and by his spirit to bring himself to the purpose of the gospel. The ultimate purpose of the church. The ultimate purpose of the universe and of your individual lives is to display God's manifold wisdom. Look at the venue. Look at the venue for God's wisdom to be displayed. The church. That's got to be a. It's got to be a a clerical error. Through the church, the church, this is the main in the universe by which God shows off his power, grace, and glory. Now, that's a shocking because if we're honest, and especially if we're honest and we've been in church for a while, you might think, man, there's a lot for God to show off his glory. Have you all seen pictures of what the web telescope has captured? you put that up? That's not a drawing. That is a picture of the universe somewhere many, many millions of light years away that this super powerful telescope has now somehow, telescope? Yeah, telescope somehow, has somehow photographed and we've got these of God's beauty and glory in creation. And I think that shows wisdom. But Paul says that's average. The church... The Church, you, together, are the ultimate venue. The salt's not watching that. The sold out stadium is watching us together across god 's globe. The fact that this countercultural, multi-ethnic, loving and united community is in and of itself the way that God is revealed. What is happening here is an ongoing Is that this place exists? It's it's really to really, be totally honest with you. And every single local church on the face of it should say the same thing. It's insane. Any church is ever planted, it's a miracle. Your Involvement and engagement in this church has cosmic and divine things Okay, last thing. Look at the who the wisdom is on display. To. It's through the church and it's on display to the ruler authorities in the heavenly places. Those are demorses. That's what that means. Those are evil that lie behind in the systems of this fallen world. Sum it up, okay, finishing up, because I want you to catch this. The great history of Jews and Gentiles being called to, get, to dive into the unsearchable riches of Christ is the main thing that wants the evil powers of this world to see in demonstration of His glory and wisdom. When the evil one looks at the church, he is afraid. Demons see what is happening here. They trim the universe, gazes at the church. It says, wow, God's wisdom is on display through us. You have been let in on classified information. So don't say anything or we'll have you. You've been let in on classified, on a mystery that has been revealed. You are a part of the greatest and most powerful in the history of the universe, the church of Jesus Christ. Together as his people, let's move forward, holding the riches that are in Jesus, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Let's pray.